Hello, Russell Davies here. I've just finished editing uh, this interview with Nick Kendall, um, who is obviously a planning legend. Um, he is going to tell you some stories about how some great advertising was made uh, and how a little bit of terrible advertising was made. Um, I think you will enjoy that. It's uh, lightly edited and I put a little bit of music in to break it up a bit. And this is part of a series of interviews um, that I'm doing for and with uh, the APG to celebrate planning's uh, 50th birthday. So as well as these, there's going to be two new books, a how to plan handbook for uh, younger planners, a book on evidence-based marketing, apparently a, a series on the history of planning in 50 objects and uh, also the inevitable party. So uh, the APG will have details on all of that on their website. In the meantime, uh, have a listen to Nick Kendall tell you uh, how to help make great advertising. Thanks. You know what I mean? And, and it yeah. just, uh, I mean, I, I joined BBH because uh, of lots of reasons, but John Bartle, as a, as a father mm. of the discipline, mm. most, is one of his best quotes, lots of good quotes, but one of his best was, I don't want to be famous for planning, I want to be famous for ideas. And, yeah. and I think planners very easily forget it's about the idea stupid it, it is a, a dreadful trap to fall in and so so i sometimes do workshops where i go what business do you think you're in and i kind of do all, and i i, I kind of go no the business you're in is creativity if it, it, you need to be a specialist in creativity in on in order to understand how to help it mm -hmm. so how does a creative mind work how what are the best work in mm -hmm. the world who's doing interesting stuff you need to know that mm -hmm. and you need to know your team and so uh, I think starting from the object as opposed to yeah, starting yeah. from the theory is an interesting way into the whole topic uh, the idea is is through the lens of four bits of work um, yeah. talking about the stories behind things yeah. uh, and so I want to start off with a piece of work that's somehow personal a personal connection for you it doesn't have to be yeah. a big famous thing but something yeah. that sort of resonates for you well what would that be? Uh, most uh, you, as you know I was at BBH for 28 years mm -hmm. uh, and I joined for Levi's and most people at this point would would talk about Levi's ad Nick Kamen or you know, yeah. I saw Nick Kamen. I will actually go earlier partly because I'm old and partly because it's true and partly because it's fascinating because it appears in Mad Men and that mm. is I'd like to teach the world to sing and the reason people won't believe me quite but my neighbour was part of the New Seekers and so for some reason my first engagement with kind of ads was I'd like to teach the world to sing and, uh -huh. and that soundtrack and the new seekers and um, I, I think that's how I fell in love I do believe advertising is a vocation it's something you fall in love with and you know there's lots of reasons for not doing it. Uh, it it's not the best money earner it's quite a hard way of developing great creative work <laughs> etc <laughs> you know uh, so I think you have to want to do it. So I always remember John Hegarty had a question for our grad programme. 
and he asked this one question in that John Haggerty kind of sweet, charming, smiley way, but it was a killer question for him, which is, what is the first ad you remember? And then people came up with a whole series of prep dances, you know, mm. or mm. Uh, they were out for John because mm. his question was actually, did you fall in love with it sometime? Right. When you were five with Nice One Cyril, or you know, I was 12 and fancied my neighbor in New Seekers. But that, that was the one, and I saw it later on in, in uh, Mad Men, and, and there's a perfect framing of our business in Mad Men from Lucky Strike, is the first ad that's talked about, and it finishes with I'd Like to Teach the World to Sing. And they're obviously pivotal moments, both of them in the development of how can we do ideas? What mm -hmm. kind of ideas mm -hmm. are we looking for? And uh, so Coca-Cola, I, I often put as my my reason for joining and my favorite all time ad. Do you think you, do you actually remember seeing it? Yeah. First, where you were? Well, I, it kind of came in through the neighbor. Right. Uh, it sounds a bit strange. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, it wasn't quite a Kennedy moment, if, if they actually exist, because false memory and things. Yeah. But I know it was something to do with my neighbor's daughter had it, so we looked at it somewhere. Mm -hmm. I, I, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't even be video recording or anything. No, no. But um, love that film. I mean, I, I just think, what chutzpah, what ambition. I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. And buy the world a Coke. Yeah, and yeah. and there's lots of things even in that thing I, I could do that I could do a whole you know training program on it. I mean people talk about brand purpose now and as if it's just invented. I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. The big challenge, one of the challenges with brand purpose, how to hook it back into yourself and be truthful to you. And I, I once saw a program somewhere about 10 years ago which interviewed the guy who had come up with the ad. You know, I came at it through the music, one yeah. door into it. He came into, for me, he remembered his childhood, he said, when you had a Coke and you shared it with your friend underneath the New York kind of water yeah. fountains and, yeah. and all that stuff in the street. And, and that was, summer and childhood for him and that clink and immediately it's rooted in an absolute truth of coke isn't it which is ice cold coke on the back of my throat singing hello summertime it's a real thing you know mm -hmm. and and that's so I, I think it's a perfectly constructed piece of work and it was seminal in moving you know it started with usps and kind of print ads with persuasion it kind of went on how to do that with Charm, Bill Burnback. And then there was this blossoming moment when people suddenly discovered, maybe that maybe I'm over-exaggerating, I'm sure it was developed gradually, but um, to me, when I look back, not mm. at the time when I was 12, mm. it's a moment of recognizing just how far you can stretch an idea, mm -hmm. as long as you keep it tight to a nice little product truth like, Ice cold coke on the back of my throat. I'd like to buy the world a home and furnish it with love. Grow apple trees and honeybees and snow white turtles.
Okay, question two. So, what's a piece of work with an interesting backstory? So, something where, I mean, it doesn't have to be, you know, there's a there's the conventional story that everyone knows, and then there's yeah. another one. Yeah. But, but some maybe something like that, or just the the byways and oddities of how work gets really created in the real world, rather than the I had a moment of insight, wrote a brief, they had some more moments of genius. Uh, I mean, my book, uh, and I was looking at it, my, my creative book mm -hmm. as a planner has about five, six pieces of work in. Um, one, one of them is Hogendas dedicated to pleasure. And it, it was a perfect exemplar of uh, the process from intelligence to magic is crooked, devious, Full of hiccups and uh, not quite the perfect productized thing we would like to pretend it is. Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, Hagendas uh, uh, is uh, the, the de dedicated pleasure, you, you know, in the simplest version of it, it, it was a riff on dedicated to perfection, which was the original guy who made Hagendas was New York uh, Jewish entrepreneur. Uh, and he sold popsicles for most of his life, made his millions, decided he wanted to go to the other end of the market mm -hmm. where the money was mm -hmm. and sell the most expensive ice cream he could. He searched around to, to find uh, the best name and, and came up with, it's absolutely made up, it's just he decided Norwegian Hagendas sounded good, God okay. knows why. Right. He could have chosen Italian. He would have created a very different brand if he'd call it Fionari on something or mm. Fiorucci or Gucci <laughs> or... Um, but he didn't, he went Norwegian and I, I think he did because he loved, uh, he obviously loved fresh cream ice cream, so real 50% fresh cream ice cream kind of thing. So heavy, strong, uh, rather than refreshing. And So he did all that uh, and he came up with his own, you know, before you paid agencies lots of money, came up with his own point of view, which is it was going to be the you know, absolute best ingredients uh, from all around the world and it was going to be dedicated to perfection. And if you look at the early packs, 50s packs, 60s packs, 70s, 80s, you know, dedicated perfection all the way to when we were briefed by Grand Met at the time. And we, you know, in a way, seems like a good strategy. So we kind of pursued it, and, and it's interesting. I always think, uh, be careful how you brief. And it's a perfect, and not what you put on the piece of paper, but the messages you give subtly and without realizing. So we briefed 
actually more or less about where we eventually got to. It was about intimacy, it was about adult intimacy and blah, blah, blah. But the creative team, who are a genius creative team, who did Phileas Fogg, Stephen Dent, and Kimberly Clark work before that, great team. They were absolutely clear, no, 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 none of that emotional benefit malarkey, build the product, you know, dedicated to perfection. And, and it's not surprising because we took them for a road trip, <laughs> Stefano Tiratelli and me, to America. It was my first blank trip abroad. And we went to New York and we went to the original 50s factory. And, you know, it's just replete with factory stories, absolutely bursting at the seams mm. everywhere you look. Fantastic grist for the mill. And just to really cap it off, they then said, would you like to see our new factory in California? <laughs> and we went, yeah. <laughs> so off we went on a two-week factory trip. It was just fantastic. And unsurprisingly, the message that got through to Stephen Den was not my piece of paper about the consumer insider. And it. Mm. it was about, this is a bloody good product, which it was. And we have to justify the price premium and that's what we should do. So our first set of work was all about product stories. And it went to research and it bombed. And we were in utter panic. Um, and literally, uh, we had a weekend to do something, usual story. Um, and I went to see Larry and Rooney and again, by that time, pieces of paper were, were kind of lost. <laughs> but I said, it's, it, it, it's, about, uh, it's about sex, I think I said. Forget words like intimacy and adult seduction and things. We want to be the champagne of ice cream. When you take it out and put it on the table, people go for an hour, for an hour, roughly. So Rooney, anybody who knows Rooney, absolutely loved that. Larry, because it's anybody who knows Larry Barker, knows that team Larry was the kind of kind of plenary type in that team whereas Rooney is pure visual aesthetic and you know an enthusiasm and genius so the two together and and interestingly that's how we got to dedicated to pleasure and Jean-Luc Cieff so Rooney wanted Jean-Luc Cieff who is a fashion photographer that's sexy sexy shots you know, from a French photographer. And interestingly, Larry then pushed against it, the product stories. So they were all taken from the original annual report I gave them as well about the product okay. or the product history. And they were literally lifted and then, you know, looked at through the lens of dedicated to pleasure as opposed to perfection. Suddenly they became very kind of suggestive. So the first four ads actually were real life quotes about the product stories and things like that. So. Mm -hmm. And that pushing together of the two halves, and, and you know, that was 250 grand, and I've, I've seen that ad in China, even though I know for sure Jean-Luc Cieff was not paid for it to appear in China. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And certainly BBH wasn't, et cetera, et cetera. And, and so I think it's a fascinating story, backstory of, well, get, keep to a point of view. I, I don't think it was that we kept changing point of view. It's just trying to find the right way into it and, and mm -hmm. the right balance of it. Um, Would you think twice about taking people, or do you think twice about taking people to a factory? I, I, I think the mantra you hear in all the stage two training courses is, uh, you know, about the briefing. You know, it's not just brief, it's a briefing. I think you have to think about it. Sometimes that gets translated into 
well, do a factory tour or take them for a big lunch or take them to a cafe where you can blindfold everybody because it's about sensuality. Mm. And uh, I think you just have to watch it. <laughs> mm. you, you know, if, if your briefing is a piece of theatre, you, you have to think what the message of that piece of theatre is in all its, because, because it will give a message. And I always loved the briefing story I heard, which was Dulux Paint from JWT years ago, where the account man, not planet, apparently walked into the room again, old school creatives and went, and they were bored and he was bored, he went, and it was for Dulux, the, the tough shield or something, and he kicked the wall, left a big mark on it, and went, with Dulux that wouldn't happen. Thank you very much, <laughs> goodbye. And, and you just gotta go, genius. Yeah. You know, you know, and I think people don't think hard enough about the language within the language, or the or the the effect of your language, or whatever. So, you know, everyone knows the MP3 player good enough to lick, but it's the lick word that is absolutely critical in that phrase, and and it it just immediately takes you to a different place. Mm -hmm. And I think. And it's writing, not strategy, that. Uh, it, 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 it's a gift. If you want to be creative, yeah. don't try and do creative starters. I think it's a stupid idea, mostly. It's never worked for me anyway. Because any good team, worth their salt, you give them a creative starter, they will immediately reject it. Because the transfer of your intangible data is about the creative team, the people with the responsibility and accountability to do it, and the gift to do it. They need to own things. It's, it's just the nature of any human being. I pass on a piece of information to your data or instruction. I need to understand and own it. So give them creative starters. It's just, you know, you can guarantee a good team like Rooney and Larry or, a, you know what I mean, or mm -hmm. Fred and Fareed. Give mm -hmm. them creative starters, please. Mm -hmm. Please, do you want to get destroyed? They will, I've only ever used creative starters for things I didn't want to happen yeah. as a way of boxing them off and getting rid of them quick. Yeah. Um, but the use of language, the use of just crafting a phrase, it doesn't have to be the proposition. That on the whole is best left straight, yeah. I find. But it, it could be in the consumer box. It could be in the, it's a one-liner if you were, you know, how many teams you prepare for the briefing and team goes, I've got five minutes. You've got to be ready to do it on on an upended rubbish bin. Yeah, yeah. So what's your what's your you know kick the wall? That wouldn't happen with G lights. What is it? Yeah. And I, I I feel that's what signing off is about is making it better. And I think we we've, we've lost that moment with the process. People looking at it go, make it better. That's a brilliant phrase pull that out but that you know just little things about the craft of transferring your ideas into somebody else's mm. ideas that, yeah we i think because i'd worked on cars before quite a lot before we mm. did honda i i wouldn't let the creatives um go on a driving day because you just end up with ads about driving it's the same learning, isn't it? It's yeah. the same. I said you can drive them on the road, but you can't drive them on the track. And, uh, and of know. course, you know, when I did, of course we cursed even then to their face, probably, but cursed <laughs> certainly in a pub somewhere going, fucking hell, they won't listen to us. They won't. Mm. It was me. 
Mm. <laughs> it wasn't mm. them. Mm. <laughs> it's what you learn a year after or two years after. So you go, if you fail to communicate, it is your problem. Yeah, yeah. What did you yeah. do yeah. that meant they didn't take it on board? Yeah. So this is uh, a bit more potential to blow your own trumpet, but you don't have to. What's the piece of work of which you're proudest? And it doesn't have to be pride because of you, like pride in the team, pride of someone else, pride of the company, but what's the thing that you get that oh, oh, to, oh, oh. to make it not blowing trumpet, mm -hmm. I, I will do the one I genuinely am proud of, and, yeah. and then I'll do the one I'm genuinely totally embarrassed by. Right. Um, I, I am proudest of keep walking, I'd have okay. to be. Right. And to me, it got the furthest in what I think a brand idea can do, which is truly drive an organization. Um, not quite drive it in the way, you know, an idea to live by kind of thing, because it's a Diageo, it's own, it, Keep Walking was Johnny Walker, which is Diageo, so it's a multi-brand company, so it's hard to achieve those kind of things. But, but if an idea, it, it, you know, a brand is an idea to live by, is a business idea to live by, it, it kind of got closest because it did start driving the innovation. It certainly held 120 countries together and it's done it. I get more proud because <laughs> it, it's, it did it, I think it was 96 and it still goes and that, you know, like, I only have a few ad books. One is Guinness, one is Absolute, I think is just a beautiful set of work. And there's a lovely book of all the print ads. And uh, and and you realize that started in 80 something or other. And so I have an increasing, the reason I'm more proud of it, I have an increasing respect for longevity. Mm -hmm. uh, things that last and last. and. I, I, I keep walking therefore I am proud of itself and then mm -hmm. in terms of individual bits of work from it I suppose I'm proud of it be, uh, as well for lots of reasons because it it's not just BBH work on the keep walking it was Leo Burnett it was different agencies it was different parts of the comms mix and it is that thing I do believe ideas at their best can do which is inspire people uh, not just tell them what to do but inspire them to do something good and I remember we'd never done global in 1996 BBH. So we were using Leo Burnett as, as the kind of account management agency, delivery agency model to a, to a literally BBH London base. Mm. Uh, I, I can't remember whether we'd opened Singapore even in those days, but so it's quite freaky. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I hadn't My deep was... knowledge of global markets and things. <laughs> and uh, it was '96. That is a long time. It's a long time, isn't it? Yeah. 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 And maybe it's time to kill it, but I don't think it is. But no. um, and I said to John, I, w I went up to John and said, John, I've got to go into Leah Burnett and kind of tell them to use this idea. Um, you know, so it wasn't use just these assets. Some markets it was top ten markets. You'll use these assets, but lots of places it was. You know, take this idea and start using it below the line. Start using it in experiential. Start using etc. Mm. And I said, 
do I do that? I don't know these people. I don't know their market. I don't, you know, it's kind of scary. And he went, go and see the creative director. Genius advice. Because you show him the opportunity to keep walking versus what they'd been required to do by the cliches of the market and everything, men in dinner jackets, mm. James Bond lookalikes, etc., etc. And he will bite your hand off. And as soon as you have the creative director, don't go through all the echelons of account management. Mm. It just won't work. So mm. go to the creative director. I want to see you. John sends his regards. We think this could help you. And, and that is the power of an idea. And, and so I, it did work. And, mm. and, uh, mm. and that's why I'm proud of it. And I'm proud of it because it is the ultimate zag in a way. So I, I am, you know, I joined for Levi's and I joined for the black sheep and, and I always believe at the centre of great planning is some kind of zag that creates a creative zag. Um, and there was a zag which is, you know, it's not, it's not about success at the end of the journey and the objects around it, it, it is about the journey itself and uh, it, it's about progressing rather than just what you achieve. Yeah. Yeah. Keep, you know, it's not a static place, it's, it's a dynamic place, keep walking. and. And again, to the Coke story, you know, sometimes I tell that story from very large universal truths, as everybody talks about now, and it was trying to find the thing that joins the world. But it also came from going to Kilmarnock and spotting that for the best period of when Johnny Walker was growing around the world, it was using a thing called the Striding Man. Yeah. and. Why not? And there were great ads, some lovely, lovely ads from the past and uh, some terribly colonial ads as well. But um, 1820 is still going strong, striding men. And that's what you'll see on the old bar material. And to me, it was like, well, we didn't. So I, I don't know whether it came from the universal truth and there was a big global masculinity study and all that kind of stuff, mm. or it came from Straight man's interesting, and and it, and then the last reason I'm proud of it is I think to get work through you have to fight. People think it's supposed to be easy or something. I, I don't know where they get this idea from. I don't know any creative discipline where it's easy. People die for the creative. You, you know what I mean? They mm -hmm. starve to death for creative. They certainly are not popular for a long time for creative. And, and in our case, they tend to be slightly easier things. But mm. uh, the man had been turned around on the journey over time since 1820 for some bizarre reason. I think because art direction required a logo in the bottom right hand corner, they turned somebody somewhere turned him the other way around and he was going towards the left, right. which is fine, classic art direction, DPS, how to do art direction. And and of course that's fine in Japan, but probably wrong anywhere yeah, else. And, and so we pointed it out to them. The pitch was essentially pointing it out to them. There's lots of guff around it, but it was pointing it out to them. And, and they had, and joyously, they went, yes, which is about the bravest pitch I've done because we'd been, as I say, to Kilmarnock, which is the house of Johnny Walker, and it, they just refurbed it, and so they were 
briefing teams in it. And above the fireplace was a huge 20-foot slab of slate from around the corner. And it was pointing left, not right. <laughs> so we knew, we were saying, by the way, one of the first jobs you're going to have to do if you buy us is, is turn it round. And they did. And uh, more importantly, across all their packaging, they mm. turned it round. Mm. Which Thank is a you. massive, you know, uh, uh, clients make great work. In the end, clients make great work. Them saying yes makes great work. And they said yes. So I'm proud that, you know, of them and of everybody who got involved in it over those years. It's countless people, obviously. But I'm, I'm proud it's still going. So what's the, what was the other, the flip side, the thing you're not, not proud of? That you really uh, I'll give you this one. I'm going public, aren't I? I, I think I have done this speech before because it's a sobering speech. Uh, which is what is your worst piece of work mm. and in the book. And it is a Levi's ad, it's quite early in my career. And it was Eddie Cochran, Eddie Cochran, what to do with Eddie Cochran. And it, it was at a point, there's various points in the reel if somebody looks at all the Levi's work, it's well worth doing over time. And there's various moments you can see when we, we got bored with our own kind of format of Nick came and strides in or somebody does something and we were looking for a different way in film wise. And I'd done some print work which was called Authors, if people look it up. And essentially I'm, uh, I read English and, and American literature as in my last term I was eventually allowed to read some modern books. Mm. And uh, if you look in those, we were doing a style campaign in Face ID, you know, how to get opinion leaders and things. And essentially it was that search for how to prove originality. And we'd used butterflies before and stitching and all the usual. So I, I think because I was free to do what I, I was just looking for a different way of proving originality. So the fact that Levi's appears in On the Road and uh, the Great Shark Hunt and over the One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and things like that. The fact it appeared in this literature of the 60s, 70s, mm. in a way, to me, was a different proof. And I found a quote, it's very funny, planning is, is not, you know, what is planning, I don't know, finding interesting bits to bring to the table. And I found, I found the quote, I knew one, Cashmere Levi's, I think in uh, a One Flew Over the Cooker, the idea of Cashmere Levi's. So I then went to the Oxford, I was trying to find others to see whether it would work, and that was going to be the brief. And uh, I found, uh, I went to the shop for the Oxford Dictionary, because uh, if you remember, words are collected by where they appear in. Yeah. And I got to another three or four, and I'm beginning to think, oh, this is good. And then I, of course, this is pre-internet, mm -hmm. so I, I then phoned up the Oxford University Dictionary because all I'd managed to get was a two-volume set, and I said, oh, "I don't know if you can help me, but do you have lots and lots of quotes that don't appear in the?" And they went, "Yeah, of course we do. We have acres. We choose four or five to illustrate." And they literally faxed over to me that afternoon. And it was like four or five pages of these quotes, and I thought, ka-ching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and that was a brief, and 
uh, and they didn't charge anything they didn't think to charge me or anything it was just fantastic old school faxing and things like that and uh, anyway that, that that was and we did a set of print but the the mistake and the reason I fell on my face is out of hubris is we then tried to turn that into film and and sometimes you have to that's why I say this thing about you have to you have to remember your your output is creativity not strategy so maybe I hadn't learned that. that. So I was, there is a difference between print and film, and so it worked in print, really restrained and clean, and you know just a quote and a picture of the author. When you put it in film, various different things happen. One, everybody wanted to charge you a fortune, uh, which is a mistake our business has drifted into, letting people do that. And then two. Uh, you ended up searching for names which weren't as resonant therefore so you couldn't get Marilyn Monroe because there are shots of Marilyn in Levi's and things right. like that uh, couldn't get that so you end up you keep searching you get to Eddie Cochran <laughs> <laughs> and Eddie Cochran's girlfriend talking about how she she got Eddie Cochran to notice her which was to wear a pair of Levi 501s but it was just calamitous and boring and <laughs> Even worse, it ended up as a bugger's muddle because we did that as a quote, and yet we tried to film it in a Levi style. So it's like a mishmash of two executional forms, and mm. and it is truly embarrassing. You will never see it anywhere other than on my reel and his speeches I do. <laughs> made it to YouTube. I've never dared look at <laughs> I'm going to have to look. You're going to have to look, but it is truly awful. It's so awful. And I think that, you know, knowing when to stop or hubris is a danger. You know, you get carried away with your ideas because that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah.